Hey, what's going on? It's Chris. I'm here with Stefan. Bro, we need to talk about this messed up thing you did to me this week. What's that? You know what you did, but let's tell them. <laughs> I'm sitting at the office. Stefan sends me this picture of a turkey bacon BLT. Looks like the best freaking sandwich I've ever seen in my life. So I, I don't remember that you've got two locations. So I run down to the Warsaw location to get the delicious burger or excuse me, sandwich wasn't there, but I still got a good pizza. Hoplor, ghost spot, your two yep. locations, Hoplor up in Leesburg. Yep. Historic uh, mill location, uh, 110 year old feed mill. Pretty cool little spot. Super chill, super chill, incredible menu or ghost spot here in Warsaw. Yeah, Ghost Spot, new idea. Uh, we are hosting uh, guest chefs and food trucks uh, for about a three-month stint, uh, bringing you a new menu every three months that way. Unbelievable. I just recently had the pizza. Incredible. Incredible Door Die pizza. does it up Door right. Die, Door Die pizza this month, so good. Stefan, if I want to know where which menu is which so I go to the right spot, where can I find you? Yeah, you can uh, actually find all our menus at hoplore.com. Uh, both the menus for the uh, the original, the mill location, as well as the new ghost spot here in Warsaw. Uh, you can find us physically located at 100 South Old State Road 15. That's the mill uh, in Leesburg. And then 307 West Market Street here in Warsaw, Indiana. Best food, best beer you're going to find. Hoplore Brewing, two locations, Leesburg and Warsaw, the ghost spot, Warsaw. Check them out. Check them out on the web. Absolutely. You can always reach out to us by Facebook as well, uh, Instagram, and uh, all the other socials. Boomin. Boomin. They might take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. This is the Freedom Cats with your hosts, Chris Flack, Seven King, and Jody Claypool. Produced by Jack Claypool Audio, Freedom Cats reviews movies, politics, and entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the Freedom Cats. Coming to you live from the Hoplore Studios at Ghost Spot in downtown Warsaw, I'm Chris. Stefan. We are the Freedom Cats. No Jody, no producer Jack today. So this is like, this is like Freedom Cats unplugged. Yeah, it's one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What's your, uh, okay, so this is like, uh, not, not, oh, you know who, you know who I used to dig? Tom Snyder. Okay. So he was like a, he was like a interviewer late night guy from like the seventies who got another show. He was on after Letterman for a while. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it was just like a dark yeah. room and he would just interview really cool people. Yeah. Yeah. He was old school and he was all right. Tom Snyder was all right, but like he always had really cool guests. We're here today. Just the two of us. Stefan, I think we should talk. Just the two of us. Oh, sh okay. All right. You want to go there? Let me ask you who's will who's Jaden. <laughs> Uh, I'm saying your will. No, 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 no. See, I, you know, no, no, no. That's the wrong answer, dude. Your will. You're like the adult, like 
you know, father figure kind of type. I'm the moron, idiot, kid-like, goofy guy. No, no, no. Plus, 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 you'll slap a bitch. Someone talking about your lady, <laughs> right? I, I will not. I will not. I've literally never been in a fist fight. No, no, not once. Uh, let me ask, is there, okay, before I, before I give you my answer, if I have or not, is there like an age, like does like six to nine count or six to 12? Like, is it adult? Do you have to, are we talking like adult years? Or are we going wonder years? I think any age. Okay, I got into one like yeah. at age seven or something. All right. That was the only one. Yeah. 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 What what is the oldest age for fist fighting that's acceptable? Oh gosh. Well that's a contextual answer, right? Yeah. Like, you know, now I'm not like necessarily condoning the slap. <laughs> I think it was a little bit out of control. Um but you know, if like if I'm at first Friday, yeah, right? I'm downtown with my lady and my family and someone says something smart. I think, you know, pop in the mouth is not just allowable, not just acceptable, but expected. Okay. Yeah. Because that's the problem. That's one of the problems today, man. Yeah. People are fearless of getting popped in the mouth and they'll say whatever out of pocket, crazy nonsense that comes to the top of their head. So I'm, it's true. I, I it's guess true. I'm, I'm guess I'm coming out here today. I mean, I just asked that because I've seen like, uh, having been in dive bars and stuff, I've, I've seen some like, uh, people that are, uh, let's say, uh, Medicare age getting fist fights. Uh, so, I mean, I, I've seen all ages. I just didn't know if there was a, an acceptable cutoff. So like you're saying at some point, just like, cause I'm 43 and I feel like depending on the circumstance, you could still throw down. I could still throw down. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, still, like my last time was like when I was seven years old. So, like, yeah. But I still got it, dog. <laughs> still got it. Still got it, baby. Got the got the speed bag in the garage. <laughs> oh, playing sure. like Eye of the Tiger. Uh, pro no, oh, you know what? I took your phone. That's all right. That's all right. I figured you didn't want me to look at it. No, 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 no. I was like, I don't, in case my phone buzzes. The last show I looked at the phone on was the uh, the last show, actually. And uh, that's where the Australian uh, cat curfew came from. Oh, and okay. And Jody, I think, about died. Yeah. Yeah, he could not control himself. That's funny. That's funny. Um, what, what, what were we talking about? We're talking about fist fighting. Right, but yeah. what was our last, before we started talking about Jody? Oh, we were talking about your speed bag in the garage. Right. That's exactly, oh, no, you said playing Eye of the Tiger. Yeah. Um, Eye of the Tiger, probably not my like get hyped song. Okay. Do you have a get hyped song? Do you have like a go-to like? Not really. Okay. I'm all over the map. Like I, we had to go get that SD card and uh, I had, you know, death metal on the Just, radio. That's yeah. That hit. Um. I'm probably, and this is wildly and not appropriate just for my age and who I am, but uh, Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's my like, here we go. Yeah. Hype. Okay. Yeah, wait hype. a minute. Y'all thought what I was finished? I had songs I for that certain Martin. parts of my life. Yeah. So when I lived up in South Bend after work, driving through traffic, it was uh, ludicrous. Move, move, bitch. Good song. Get out the way. Classic. So we're like, I, I just want to get home. That's so, classic. Yeah. 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 Uh, if something's like at work, if something successful happens, like if we, you know, made, did a, did a good thing. Yeah. 
it's immediately DJ Khaled. All I do is win. <laughs> and like, I'll even make my coworkers like, oh, put, put your hand, put them up, put yeah. them up. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a definite go-to, but yeah, my like, here we go is definitely, you know, because you know, I'm an, basically an NFL player. Like, you know, I mean, look right, at me. Right. Uh, work song. It would be uh, Occupation by uh, Dirty Heads. I don't know that one. No? Mm-mm. It's a good one. Okay. Don't know that one. Whole life's a vacation because I love my occupation. Uh, oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I do know that song. I do know That's that a good song. One. I just didn't know that. I didn't know. I didn't know the order. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of work. Yeah. Making that money. Today we're talking about capitalism. Yes, we are. Through the lens of the film Parasite. Um, I want to make sure I pronounce this right. Hold on. Okay. It's time for Chris checks his phone checks. during the show. Yeah, yeah. Have Siri sound it out for you. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Hold on. We'll even do that. Our, uh, our third host of the day will be uh, Google. Who directed... Parasite. Parasite was directed by Bong Joon Ho. Bong Joon Ho. All right. According to Google, that's re- that's what I was gonna go with. So uh, sounds about right. Yeah. South Korean movie. Yeah. Bong Joon Ho's Parasite, two thousand eight nineteen. I think. Yeah. Two thousand nineteen. Two thousand eighteen. Yeah. Two thousand eighteen. Yeah. It won the Oscar in twenty nineteen. That's yeah, what was yeah. throwing me off. Won the uh, award at Cannes for best film. Won the Oscar for best picture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bong Joon Ho's love letter to capitalism. I mean, yeah, but <clears throat> as we talk, I, I will say I have a little bit different take on it than uh, than just you know the whole capitalism thing. So let, let's roll. Well, I think the movie's not. I mean, I I'm saying my 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 tongue is buried in my cheek when I say it's a love letter to capitalism. Right, right. I think it, there's that, definitely there's a, a, a twinge of sarcasm there. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the thing that I will say for anybody who listens to this and then wants to watch it, make sure you're in the right headspace because uh, it is all subtitles. Uh, there's no English version. Uh, so like when I watch a movie, if I'm you know chilling out at night, there's those nights where I'm just like, nope, can't not, do it. Not doing subtitles. Not tonight. Um, I'm. I put subtitles on everything years old. Yeah. I don't know what, I mean, I think that vary, but like, I just have the subtitles on for everything now. Yeah. English, foreign language. I just got the closed captioning on. Yeah. A lot of the, uh, here's the thing. A lot of the Netflix shows that are like German. Are, they're doing that uh, a lot, by the way. They're doing English dubbed, but then the subtitles don't match. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of interesting. So the idea, I guess, with the, uh, the dubbed is that you're trying to, make the English words look as close to what the people are saying in the picture right. on the screen, but that's not what they're actually saying in the language that, uh, well, and that's a whole, working in. that's a whole argument that goes on with like anime, like dubbed versus subbed. Yeah. Because like, if you just like, what you, like, just like you said, if you're watching something, the dub rarely matches what the subtitles say. Right. Like there, there's just, I shouldn't say match. I mean, there's just little, intricate differences but th- sometimes those differences can change meaning altogether yeah for sure um like there's one on netflix right now uh dear child okay that show's crazy it's a danish 
Danish film? Yeah, like, show. Show. It's like show, eight episodes. Okay. Yeah. It's one of those, uh, so like a crazy guy has like a family in a secured room. Like that movie Room, do you remember okay. that? Yeah. With Brie Larson. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the Room TV show, basically. Okay. So he's captured a woman and gotten her pregnant a couple of times, and now he's got a white, a white geez, oh, Pete. <laughs> Golly, <laughs> white. Oh, okay, so let's... You know, we're not going to edit it out. We're going to be real here on the Freedom Cats. Obviously, I didn't mean wife and kids. It's just a <laughs> golly. Oh. <sighs> People ask me like, you know, hey, Chris, you going to run for office? Not now. <laughs> we got to sit around the kitchen table. What do we need to know about Chris? What do we need to know about? He's got him? very liberal views on what married means. That's what it means. Oh, Jesus. So what oh, I meant, obviously, what I <laughs> not working Excuse our county me. at all. Excuse me. What it means, what I meant, obviously, was captured, traumatized, rape victim. Right. And kids. All that to say, pretty good move, pretty good show. I, I think, recommend. It. I mean, there there probably are some fringe uh, feminists out there that actually would agree with you that uh, <laughs> it's about the same thing. <laughs> oh, oh, wow, wow, wow! Fringe, you said. Fringe, fringe. Yes, fringe. All right, man. I feel like I need to owe my wife a couple conversations. Like, are we good? We're good, right? You're, you want to be here, right? right? You, you don't equate this to being locked in a room somewhere, right? Just want to make sure. If we watch this show, you're not going to feel heard, right? Just because our bedroom's in the basement doesn't mean <laughs> I'm like forcing you to be down here, right? That was just a choice. That was a, that was was It was about conserving space. Oh. Jeez, oh, Pete. All right. So all that to say, <laughs> this movie is in Korean with subtitles. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, which, I, yeah, it didn't bother me, but I think because I'm old man plaque, I, I watch a lot of stuff with subtitles. But no, it's a good, it's a good head. It's a good thing to let people know because sometimes a lot of people, they check out. Done. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's nights where I pull up a movie. I'm like, oh, this sounds good. And then it's uh, foreign language subtitles. I'm just like, nah, not there. Yeah, no, Another I, get time. That. I get that totally. So this was your pick. Yeah, it was. And again, this movie, just real, real quick. I don't want to get too, he- I don't want to get too heavy in the summary because yeah. this is a very dense text, if you will. Okay. I mean, there's just a lot going on in this yeah. movie, but um, this movie is the story of uh, the, the Kim family who are uh, impoverished. They live in a uh, subterranean apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, they make their money as a family on what I would call kind of the gig economy. Mm-hmm. You know, their job is folding pizza boxes uh, for a pizza company. That and uh, they live a life of squalor. Mm-hmm. Um, they there no for instance their job is very much based on having internet access they have a neighbor who has internet but that that neighbor cancels the internet so they have to find a new signal so they can do their job right uh, there's a scene at the beginning where um they're fumigating the streets outside and the patriarch mr kim's they want to close the windows so the poisonous gas doesn't get into their apartment 
but uh, Mr. Kim, the dad, says, no, no, leave them open. We've got stink bugs. We're, that'll help. <laughs> we want to get rid of. We want to get rid yeah. of. Um, yeah, the Kims are an impoverished family in South Korea looking to change their fate in a system that is set against them. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the, the son, he... Through a through a friend, gets a connection to a very rich family, the Parks, mm-hmm. um, to work for them as a tutor for their daughter, their teenage daughter. Um, through cert- certain social machinations and levers pulled and deceptions, uh, young Mister Kim, the son, w- w- ends up setting up a situation where each member of his family now works for the parks. Uh, again, I'm, I really don't want to get too buried in the details of the movie, right, but, right, right. you know, the dad becomes a driver for Mr. Park. Uh, the mother becomes a housekeeper for the family. Uh, the, the, his sister, um, she, uh, she become Rachel, I think is his sister's name. That's the, like, they're given American names yeah, by right, the family, right, right. but uh, I honestly I don't remember. Jessica, Jessica, thank you, Jessica. Jessica yeah. um, she is hired on as an art tutor mm-hmm. for their young son Daesun, and uh, obviously, and then the son is a tutor for their teenage daughter. And wackiness ensues. And we'll, yeah. we'll get into those details as we talk about each, the movie. Each job uh, becomes increasingly nefarious to get, mm-hmm. which is, uh, which is kind of heightens everything. Yeah. Setting up the driver and then uh, taking and, and setting up the housekeeper to get the, the mom and dad in there. Yeah. Which is, it's kind of fun. Yeah. The family uses, um, Enormous creativity and ingenuity that to they do. get in this yeah. house. Unfortunately, they're more on the, you know, they do it in nefarious ways uh, to cheat the system. Right. Um, so, yeah, we'll get into that. Stefan, as a business owner, employer, yeah, human, father, husband, how's capitalism working out for you in 2023? Man, <clears throat> this kind of gets me into my my take on the movie a little bit. Um, we'll rewind my life about mm, almost twenty years now. Uh, I got into the insurance business, and uh, you know the idea was, oh yeah, insurance—you can make a lot of money doing that. Um, and when it came right down to it, it wasn't everything that it was set up to be initially. It was good but it wasn't set up to it was set up to you know you're going to become independently wealthy and blah 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 and uh you know you chase those ghosts if you will and uh my take on the movie is that it as much it as it is about you know the uh the layers of the caste system in a capitalist society i would say it's equally as much simply about greed as it is about uh about the capitalist uh, society as a whole, uh, and when I say greed, I mean greed on the part of the the is it the uh, not the Park family? It's the other family. Uh, the Parks are the wealthy family. Yeah. The Kims the are Kims. the are the yeah. poor family. Yeah. So when it comes right down to it, I mean, 
I don't want to say I've, I've rejected capitalism, if you will, but uh, there's something to be said about having a comfortability in what you earn. Um, you know, being aware of that and not necessarily chasing the almighty dollar above all else. Okay. Um, Interesting. You know, it, it's one of those things where I look at the movie and I'm like, okay, could him and his sister have supported the family on the amount of money that they were paying them? Um, did they did they really need to screw over the driver and the housekeeper that had been there for the entire time the family was there? Uh, did they really need to do that, or yeah. was it simply greed on their part to to try to take the whole thing over? So, I mean, as far as a business owner and and whatnot, um, obviously there's a necessity for capitalism um, to make the business run, to feed families. You know, I, I don't have just my family to answer to. I've got the families of everybody that's that's working for me as well. Um, but you know, for me on my part. It's uh, it's a situation where you know it it's not everything to me. Um, it's uh, a situation where like, can we pay the bills? Cool. Do you have some extra to put away? Cool. And then uh, we move forward. Hmm. Okay, you said some interesting things there. Why I want to unpack? Yeah, yeah. Let's take a quick break, and we'll get back to this in just a sec. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Chris. Listen, I want to talk to you about some of our sponsors. First and foremost, we talk, one, first one I want to talk to you about is JC Innovations. JC Innovations is an engineering service business that provides engineering support for orthopedics and medical device businesses, including medical technology. But this is the thing. This is the thing. That's like saying that Kobe Bryant was a basketball player. I mean, this is, I mean, I appreciate this thing that they wrote up for me, but really, let's really talk about what they're It's complete, total innovation happening in the orthopedic business, right? Where some of these guys are happy with hips, knees, right? JC Innovations is pushing the envelope of technology and innovation in the orthopedic industry. With, with over 15 years experience making medical products, they are prof not just proficient, they excel at navigating regulatory requirements for the, the government, the FDA. Think about all the nonsense it takes to get your product on the market with the FDA. JC Innovations, they've done it for 15 years. They can get your product to market, both and as well as regulatory bodies outside the US. Blessed to be a part of this community, they do their part and contribute it to it. JC Innovations supports helping hands, right? Helping hands. If you don't know about helping hands, helping hands, J Jody put together like an Iron Man hand for my buddy's little girl, Zoe. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. It's not just about pushing innovation, but it's about helping community. If, you're, if you want to learn more, reach out to Jody. You want to, maybe you want to be partner with them, you, Jody, how they can help your business. Contact Jody at JC Innovations through the contact page on their website, jcinnovations.com. That's jc-innovations.com. They're excited to hear from you. Give them a call. Tell them I sent you. All right, we're back. Don't forget to like Backstreet. Oh, so yeah. we're back. All right. I mean, do you, I mean, we can talk about. Oh no, I'm feeling I'm feeling music this morning. Apparently, no, I love it, bro. I mean, how do you feel about the uh, resurgence of the boy bands? In sync, first song in twenty years. Yeah, yeah, in sync, huh? I mean, 
Justin Timberlake hasn't done much for a long time. And this is what causes an in-sync reunion, by the way. If he was still churning out solo records that were selling 20 million copies, there's nope. no in-sync re- there's no in-sync reunion. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. We gotta get back in the headline somehow. No doubt. In a positive way. Speaking of no doubt, where have they been? Well, Gwen Stefani was making that TV money. Oh yeah. She was on one of those like singing competitions. For oh, a long okay. Time. Yeah, yeah. The, the voice. voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she was still churning checks. Yeah. Those other dudes, I mean, they're just waiting for Gwen. <laughs> yeah. They're like, what well, can we do her again? Right. None of them are like, oh, no, I, got, I can't, I can't I got make bills it. to pay. Right. None of those guys. They're just yeah. waiting on Gwen. Um, you, ha- you, you made an interesting point that I think I could imagine a, a lot of folks who see this movie. And by the way, go see this movie. Um, this is not one of those. This is not going to be one of those shows where we get too heavy into the the content of the movie. We're going to reference some things, I think, but I want to talk about the the themes in this and how it applies to what we see in our community. Sure. Um, so, but I think a certain person can view this film, and the Kims are. I don't want to say blameless but can look at this and see that the Kims are people who are doing whatever they can to beat a system where all every card is stacked against them. Yeah. That's, they have, that's definitely a good take on it. I don't think so. No. Well, listen, I mean, is the system rigged against you? <sighs> yeah, but I think there's plenty of windows in life to get a, to get ahead. Yeah, I think creativity is the key. I mean, when you talk about life being stacked against you, what are you referring to? What are you trying to accomplish in your life? I mean, if you're trying to go out and and go to Harvard and and all that type of stuff, the odds are stacked against you um, because it's all about you know, like quote from Step Brothers, it's all about who you know, right? Uh, you know, well, this movie, this movie plays that out, though, yeah. right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, so much, so much of the fact that this family is able to uh, infiltrate and attach itself, the Kims are able to attach themselves is a hundred percent through recommendation, right? Like they go through all this work to forge documents, and in the end, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, okay, this is great, but so and so said you're all right, so yeah, you're in, yeah. Yeah, who, that's all about who you know. Right, 100%. Yeah, you don't even have to be a housekeeper. It's all about who you know. Yeah, yeah. But no, I think you're right. A, cer- a certain portion of that is... Look, life, one, of the biggest, one of the biggest skills that you can, you can have in life is contentment. Absolutely. And it's a learned skill. For sure. And... You know, this movie deals a lot in ghosts and dreams. Mm -hmm. The ghosts of the past and the dreams for the future. And part of what we sell in this country is the dream. Right. But unfortunately, I think that so many people, their dream is what the parks have. Or, or higher even, yeah. right? You know, it's not, I'm going to be successful enough to raise a family and retire. 
Mm-hmm. Right? It's I got to be a YouTube creator and make millions of dollars, or I have to be I have to be a professional athlete to have success and to have fame. Yeah. There's success happens on many different tiers of life. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of how you define it and which how you define it and what you find contentment in. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> when it comes to to the uh what you were saying about being a professional athlete or being YouTuber or being this or being that that's shoved in front of us so much. I mean, you go back two generations, you know, before the baby boomers and that wasn't necessarily the case. Um, like I've said before on the show, I think I'll, I'll say it again right now. I think that, uh, when it comes right down to it, we don't have enough to worry about these days. Um, you know, when it came to, you know, the, the greatest generation coming through the depression and, and all that type of stuff, they learned a level of, uh, contentment by force. And, uh, when it came right down to it, um, you know, making the next generation, the life easier on the next generation was the number one most important thing to them. And, uh, when you talk about contentment, um, you know, having a, a small business and, and, you know, running your own small business and stuff like that, uh, it wasn't, uh, Hey, I need to make this thing global. Uh, at the time it was, Hey, I, I want to feed my family and provide a little bit better life for my family than I had. Um, you know, when we had to, you know, squeeze pennies till they shit. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's one of those things where it seems like every generation loses the reality of being content in what you have, as opposed to constantly striving for that next thing you got to get. Yeah, no, I see that. We also do see. I don't want to. I don't want to undercut though the fact that it is hard out there. No, absolutely not. It's it's definitely hard. Um, I got a. Uh, I was at a lunch thing yesterday, and here in our in our community, they're building. We had a bunch of apartments that are about to come up. Yeah, built apartment buildings that are yeah. about to get built. Um, the what you would call the housing crisis. I would say started three or four, five years ago, maybe even longer. And by crisis, I mean low inventory, inflated price, home prices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I bought my home six years ago for $160,000. Um, it's a one, two, three, it's a four bedroom home excuse me, five bedroom home, um, $160,000. My rent, I, I don't mind. My mortgage is about $1,100 a month. Yeah. There's a property here in our community that's getting built on a piece of land that's called the Gatke property. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, there was a, it was like a, not a foundry, but it was, a, they don't, they Dealt with asbestos, basically. Okay. Um, were you going to, was that where you were going to do a spot? No, that was across the street. Across the street. Okay. <clears throat> they talked to us about the Gat Key and, uh, you know, we went and looked at it and we're like, <laughs> where, where do you think our pockets lie? Um, you know, you're talking millions of dollars just to make the property 
viable. Yeah. Let alone, you know, start running a business in there. Yeah. That was years ago, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So since then, uh, Kedco, the Kosciuszko Enviro, uh, Economic Development Corporation. You nailed it. it. Come on. <laughs> Alan Teo, former uh, two-time guest. Two-time guest, yes. Uh, he runs that organization. The city, state have you know leveraged the monies needed to get that pl- that land livable right and they'll be building uh, apartments there as well as like mixed use commercial mm-hmm. so the those those apartments are going to be the the rent on those apartments is going to be market rate and I'm doing air quotes as I say that right yeah now. market rate yeah a one bedroom apartment at, in those is going to be reportedly the same amount as my mortgage. That's crazy. On a I five mean, bedroom home. I, I saw the numbers on the ones that are going up north of town uh, yeah. by uh, TCU. Well, it's not TCU anymore. They changed their name. Ever right. Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. I don't know who picked that name, but whatever. Uh, yeah, it's like two bedroom apartment for $2,100 a month. It's like, What? Now let me let me throw a, a different aspect in the mix because we just went through and did kind of a review of you know all the quote unquote affordable housing things that are going in here um, in the next year roughly, and we went back through and we looked at it and and I I'm left to wonder because uh, for unused homes in this area, uh, let me let me backtrack just one second unused homes on average is about 10 percent so empty vacant, whatever so 10 percent of the across the country okay approximately 10 percent of homes are unused is that 10 percent of all homes or is that 10 percent of available homes 10 percent of all homes okay okay um so you know they're on the market landlords you know, waiting for new people to come in, you know, all that type of stuff, about 10%. We did a little digging and Warsaw right now is at 20%. 20% of homes are on the market. On the market, empty, unused. Wow. So it begs the question in my mind is, is there actually a housing crisis when we've got 20% of those homes that are unused, unoccupied? It's a crisis though when those 20%, when 20%, like what happened with the inflation, like, so my $160,000 home, I could sell for probably 250, 275. Yeah. I've done nothing to that. Believe me when I say I've done nothing to that house to increase its value. Nothing, nothing. No, I get it. Not a damn thing but I've gained anywhere from 90 to a hundred thousand dollars in equity on my home. And I think that's where the crisis lies because if, because I sit there and I say, even if I sold this, I'm not going to get equal value in the next home that I live in. Something else. Yeah. I'm not going to get a five bedroom home with the square footage that I have for 250, $270,000. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where it lies. That the homes available, yeah, maybe they're twenty percent, but they're north of two fifty. Sure. 
No, I believe it 100%. I completely get it. And then that that brings a question in my mind is like how many of these homes are were purchased during that, you know, low rate period and are simply trying to be turned for, for profit or, you know, landlords pick them up and are trying to turn apartments for profit. Uh, things like that. Uh, the housing crisis is something that we actively in our community are making worse, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, the the townhome sitting empty up north uh, of on Buffalo Street, uh, like $450,000. Like, in what world was this ever affordable? Um, and... In what world did anyone who could afford those homes want to live on North Buffalo Street? Yeah. With overlooking like what the jail? Right. No, I, the, we, the the bail bondsman. The, yeah. The VFW. Right. Yeah. Exactly. If I have five hundred thousand dollars to spend on my home, you know where I'm not living? Right there. There. Yeah. There. For sure. So it's it's I guess that maybe goes back to greed a little bit is that, uh, you know, are, are we, uh, in a housing crisis here in this area simply because of people, the haves purchasing properties to, you know, take and, and make more, um, you know, even back to, you know, you talk about a couple generations before, uh, my granddad came back from World War II, had saved up enough money that he was able to buy a home, start a business, um, and he lived above the business in that home. Um, but that was off of you know what he was able to save when he was in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, those days are long since gone. Oh, I don't know if they're long since gone though. Like I look at my life and my. You know, tra- traveling through life as a married per- as a, married and a fa- and with a family, like my wife and I, you know, we bought a home in right after we got married, so around two thousand eight, and the economy got real tough around then. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. I sure do. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, I didn't have any. I had a feeling you knew what I was talking about. Um, so we lost that. We we had to sell that house, and you know, we had a smaller house. Um, I made some bad decisions that put my family in jeopardy uh, economically. Um, and we live, we lived in an apartment, you know, we lived in an apartment, we saved, we put our money together and we bought another, then we bought a house. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, I don't, I don't live in the best neighborhood. My, my home is debt by no means. I mean, it's a nice house. It's, I love the house. It's one of these old builds from like 1850 and it's got a lot of character. I love the house. Yeah. Um, but it by no means is it the parks in our movie today would not live in my home. Um, but it's, it was accomplished. It can be accomplished. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing when getting back to the movie for a second, you know, and by the way, I encourage you to watch the movie really great film, but the Kims, and I see this all the time. The Kims have incredible ingenuity, creativity, I mean, they're forging documents. They're you, you know. Yeah. But they're they're applying it in such a way that is like they've got talent, but they're not they're not using that talent every day to better their situation, mm-hmm. right? They're folding pizza boxes until they ha- they've got a they've got a way to mo- 
they've got this this nefarious thing going on. Suddenly, they've got all the talent in the world. Right. So some of it comes down to personal decision. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to say the system's, the system's rigged, the system's bad, I can't possibly get ahead when... No, you can also make decisions and use your strength and use your ingenuity to get ahead in a content way, in a way that you can be content with. Sure. Like I see it all, I, I don't see it as much anymore, but in my previous work, I saw it all the time. You know, I would see guys who worked at like trailer factories making six, $7,000 a month, but are, don't have two dimes to run together. Oh, sure. You know, you get that paycheck and you go right. up north of Michigan and go gambling. Suddenly that paycheck's gone. I get laid off and I need a job next week because I've got nothing set aside. Yeah. Yeah. You can make decisions. There's, there's, there's some, I think there's an argument around cap, around the economy and capitalism and all that stuff that completely takes away the, the piece of personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I would say here in this country, I can't speak to the, the mindset that goes behind it, but I would say that, you know, when, when it comes right down to it, drug dealers are, are very much the same. Um, you know, I, I don't think that any drug dealers just literally, it just fallen in their lap. But like, okay, well, I guess I'm gonna, you know, sell drugs now. No, it's a, it's a way to, um, you know, try to get ahead. You look at the, the rappers and stuff like that, that, uh, were quote unquote role models for some people. Me. And, uh, you know, they're like, oh, well, I'll do what they did. They got rich. Um, you know, that the chasing of the, the being rich, to me is the the part of this movie that uh, speaks to the nature of greed. And when it comes to contentment, I would argue that the Parks were much more content than the Kims were. Uh, Which makes sense. I mean, they're, they're rich. Right. But the level of contentment also goes down the lower the income, if that makes sense. No, and again, no, no, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, I think the movie makes the argument that it's, the parks are content to an extent because they can afford to be. Sure. Mrs. Park seems like she's always in a good mood. Well, can she She can afford to be in a good mood. Yeah. Well, at the same time though, she's, she's a dope fiend. Yeah. She's got, she's, taking something every day. Like there's a scene very early when we're introduced yeah, to when Mrs. the housekeeper has to go like, wake her up, wake her yeah, up. Cause yeah, yeah. she's, she's doped out of She's doped through the gills sleeping, right, right, or, right. you know? Um, yeah. So contentment, but also this movie reminds us that we're all very human and those who may be successful in business or those that may be, um, very much still have all their stuff. They still yeah. have all their problems. Yeah, for sure. It's just a matter, in a lot of ways, it's a matter of how you deal with those problems. Because there is a growing ideal that your problems need to be your personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about people who you know, struggle with mental illness and make it their personality. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all you know about them. Um, 
And so it's always a, you know, in the terms of social media, it's always a post about there's their, their issue that they have, you mm-hmm. know, I'm neurodivergent, whatever the hell that means now. And so I got this, this, this going on today, or I'm depressed and I got this, this, this going on today. Which and, that, that <laughs> you're going to get me on a soapbox. Let's go. The, the whole, the whole neurodivergent thing is a scam. Well, okay, uh, so from your perspective, explain me what that even means. So neurodivergent means your thinking processes are different than the norm. Okay. There is no baseline for a norm. Everyone thinks differently. Sure. So the, the I'm neurodivergent. Congratulations. Everyone else in this world is as well. You're not special. Okay. I get what you're saying. That's <laughs> Oh, you know, it's, it's hard for me because I'm neurodivergent. Are you? Everybody is. Yeah. Okay. You know, I I thought it was a, I I just assumed it was like a, we're, we're ADHD offended somebody. So now we're calling it neurodivergent. That's what I I mean. That that is, that could be considered a form of neurodivergency. Okay. For sure. Okay. But your regular average Joe off the street. They're no, it's also neurodivergent as well because there is no norm for the brain. That makes sense. That, that totally makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah, that um, neurodivergent. But you know what I'm it. talking about, yeah, though, yeah, right? Yeah, no, and here's the it. thing I completely believe, I believe in the, I mean, I think everyone, I don't think this makes me unique by any means, but you know, I believe that, you know, mental illness is, is the same as physical illness. Your, 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 your mind and your body work in conjunction and you can have things going on and that need to be treated. Yeah. You need to be healthy. Yeah. So I just think about when people, you see these folks who make that their, that's all they talk about. Mm -hmm. It's their entire personality. It seems imagine like someone with diabetes. What if, what if somebody with diabetes treated the, the treated their diabetes, the way people treat their, their (laughs) depression on when they talk about it. Oh, it's another diabetic day. <laughs> I got the beatus. It's, it's rough today. It's a rough day. Di- yeah. It just doesn't make, you know, it doesn't make any sense. And really what it is, is it's, it's an endorphin chase. It's they're looking for likes and comments and that's sure. how they're getting right. It's sure. just another endorphin chase. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so we have to recognize that, Life is tough for everybody. It's how you respond to that. And in fact, it is people who, in a lot of ways, now I'm not talking about the Elon Musks. I'm not talking about the Tim Cooks. I'm not talking about, you know, but I'm, I mean, the everyday folks, your ability for success relies on how you relate to life and how you respond to life. Sure. Um, and that's, I think, the Kims are responding to their lives in such a way that makes them, they are, maybe except the son, but they've embraced their victimhood. I can see that for sure. I think they've embraced their victimhood. Um, So when you see, like, what do you, as an employer, what do you see? Talk to me about your employees and not, not obviously individual, but just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not calling, I don't want you to, I'm not calling anybody out. Yeah. Great staff, by the way, at both of your locations. Thanks. I mean, appreciate it. It's they, hospitality. They do a great job. No, that's hospitality. And they just feel, you, you feel, you feel at home just hanging out either one. Just great folks. I came by here for lunch the other day. 
uh, here at Ghost Spot. By the way, you got it. The pizzas. How much longer for the pizza? Uh, two, two more weeks. Two more weeks for the dough or die. Yep. And then uh, I, I can argue that uh, probably the closest thing that we have to a quote unquote celebrity chef uh, in this area is going to be uh, taken over. He just launched a food truck. Good AF. Oh. Uh, Corey Seidel. Um, he's going to be uh, rocking October through uh, the end of the year. That's fantastic. Yeah. Good AF if you've been to the food truck. He puts out some fire delicious food. Delicious food. Absolutely. Delicious food. Um, so talk to me. What what do you see? Because like I saw when I when I talked about bad decisions and stuff with their, with people and their their choices with their what they do with their money and stuff. I saw that very much through uh, car sales. Sure. Um, and again, you get in that in that scenario, you get folks who are like come in and like you know uh, I want the Lexus. I, you know, and you look at the numbers, you look at their income, you look at their credit history. Like, I cannot get you approved for that, Alexis. I got a Ford Focus. I can get you in right now. Yeah. Oh no, no, no! I can't roll in. You know, I can't mm-hmm. be in that car. And that's that that sense of entitlement, that sense of I need to flex, I need to be in a fancy car, I need to be is. Uh, it crosses all racial ba- racial lines. Yeah, for it sure. It crosses all socioeconomic vines. <laughs> um, and again, it comes down to the decisions and the entitlement that people have. How do you see that as an employer? Uh, I don't really see it a whole lot with uh, with our crew. Um, really, the the I don't know. I, I, as you're talking about this. Having been in the service industry now for mm, 10-ish years, I don't know if if my folks are just different or what, but in general, um, I, I joke because I think about musicians, you know. You, How so? You, you got a musician and, you know, he's got this, you know, great musical instrument you know, costs probably more than his car. Oh. <laughs> uh, and it, I... To at least a, a fairly decent degree, I feel like a lot of people in the service industry are, are kind of like that when, um, you know, they're not, and maybe it has to do with the fact that we're, we're you know, tipped employees a lot uh-huh. of times. So, you know, you, you can't guarantee what the next check's going to look like, yeah. things like that. Um, but uh, for the most part, I think that across the board, most people have a pretty level head. You know, they, they like to go out and party at night sometimes, sure. but in general, um, they're not making, you know, just asinine purchases. Um, you know, like having to keep up with the Joneses, um, where I guess going back to the musicians where like the, the rockers that really don't care what other people think, yeah. um, is kind of where I, where I come from with that, with that particular yeah thing. And that makes sense. That makes sense. It's people always want to better themselves. Part of that is the, the lie of the American dream. Oh yeah. Uh, what the American dream has become. Yeah. That's would, a better I way would, to put would, it. Yeah. I, would that it's a lie. That, I don't mean, point. yeah. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Well, the, what the American dream has become is that, like you said, I have to be seen in this vehicle. I have to be, you know, in this type of clothing, I have to be, you know, uh, 
in this particular social circle to be a quality person. Um, you know, that, that American dream is a lie. Um, the American dream to be able to provide for your family, better your next generation, you know, all that type of stuff. That's very much true. But in all reality, um, so many people are chasing the other American dream where, you know, I have to have this or that to be valid. Yeah. Um, the American dream has been in the last probably three generations um, has just been completely taken over by the consumerism culture. And uh, the, the places that are exacerbating are the large corporations. The large corporations are saying, you're not valid unless you do this, unless you have this, unless you are this. And it's not the actual American dream. You look back to when we first started, you know, when the U.S. first started. The American dream was very simple. Religious freedom, not having to answer to some king, and we have a small piece of land and we're able to live. Yeah. That was the American dream at the time. Uh, the American dream several generations ago, like I said, was just to make life better for the next generation because of what they went through. Uh, the American dream starting probably in the 70s has morphed into this. You, you have to consume to be living the American dream. Yeah. No, I get that. I get that. I, I also feel like the Ameri when I say the lie of the American dream, what I when I my, the version I was looking at, I think it is that consumerism version, and that part is the lie where it's like anyone can come to America and be Steve Jobs. Anyone can come to America and be Elon Musk, can reach those level of successes. And that is a lie. Yeah, it's, a, it's because of the wealth transfer that uh, has taken place over the last, well, since the, since the 1980s. Yeah. Um, that wealth transfer has made it so that a person can't come to America and become Elon Musk. Right. Be like it, if, you're door, if you live in this town right now, today, and you're listening to this show as you're door dashing, yeah. that dream is not possible for you. No. It's safe to say. All right. With that uplifting note, we're done. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's realistic. Uh, there's, a, there's, a certain, uh, there's a certain value to being a pragmatist when it comes to this type of stuff. Yeah. Um, understanding that the people that are purported to be living the American dream are the exception to the rule. Yes. You know, I'm going to be a famous rapper. You know how many people came out of the ghetto and became a famous rapper? Like less than 1%. Right. Or I'm going to be a professional athlete. Do you understand how many people that play football in junior high are still playing in the NFL? What percentage of that is? Uh, the, the idea that, oh, I'm going to build this app and I'm going to make millions and millions of dollars. Um, that is the exception to the American dream. Um, in, in all reality, you know, you mentioned about the DoorDashers. The DoorDashers are trying to make ends meet, yeah. just like everybody else. Right. Uh, but I would argue that even in that situation, they can have the American dream. Yeah. Just to give you, a, just to back up your point about, you know, the professional athlete piece. Currently, right now, in the NFL today, getting ready for Sunday, 
there are 1,696 men in the NFL. Now think about this for a second. Each one of those guys up to this point was the best player on their team. They were the best player of their town. They were the best, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but think about all the guys who play football Friday nights, right? And yeah. college ball. And it's a lot more than 1,700. I would argue that just in this county, there's probably more than that in playing high school sports. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, and so, listen, if you're, do I, should people shoot for the stars and land amongst the moon? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. But it comes with, it needs to come with an expectation, right? Um, you know, like, this is going to sound really self-aggrandizing and maybe it is. And so, you know, own me for it. But like our podcast, like I don't need this or want this to be nationally renowned. I'm not chasing Rogan. I'm not chasing Bill Simmons. Yeah. I'm not. I'll be locally famous all day. That's cool. I'm fine being locally famous. But that's all I need. That's all right. I want. That's right. my that's my goal here. Right. And I'm beyond okay with that. It's one of those things where like if it happens, cool. But Sure. No, but, no, don't get me wrong. Like blowing up would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not but, chasing it. Yeah, there's no reason to chase it. I'm not chasing it. You're not chasing it, you know? Um, and there's something to that. And I think that through the lens of the chems and people, you can. Do I think that the door dasher can be Elon Musk in their lifetime? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Right. Does, can the door dasher better their situation to a level that they can be content with? 100%. Absolutely. 100%. And, um, you know, the tragedy of this movie is because the movie does very does a lot to set and show the the lines that cannot be crossed or should not be crossed. Mm -hmm. Like Mr. Park in the movie can smell the poverty on his employees. Employees smell the same. Yeah. And what he's smelling is their their poverty. They smell poor. Right. Like he can't identify. It's like they all have this smell. And it's and on the surface level, it's well, they all live in the same house. They live in, you know, but no, he smells the poor on them. Right. When he smelled the uh, the husband that was in the basement for four years, yeah. that was the uh, the breaking point yeah. for Mister Kemp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there are lines that you know that that they that you shouldn't cross. But the you know one of the tra the tragedy of this film is like, you know, the violence that occurs at the end. Mm -hmm. It touches everybody. In the end, yeah, there are lines that we draw. There are social structures, there are economic structures and lines, but you know the violence that occurs at the end touches everybody, right? Um, the the film ends on a ambiguous note. Um, again, I'm not trying to spoil anything, but uh, the the father is in peril, let's say. Yeah, and his son comes up with a plan how he's going to save his dad, Stefan. Does he do it? Uh, it you know, like Biggie, it was all a dream. Yeah, 
And then, there again, that, that unrealistic dream. Like, I'm going to go to university. I'm going to make a whole lot of money. We're going to take and we're going to take care of you, dad. And it, it all ended up just being a dream. So you don't think he, you don't, you don't think he, you know, you don't, you don't think he gets it. No, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Same. So that, that goes back to my kind of my greed thing. Um, where that, you know, it, it can't be enough to, to get a car and get him out of there and, and go live somewhere else. Um, it's gotta be, you know, I have to make this much money so that then I can save you. Yeah. But short of that, nothing else would work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, capitalism. Fun times. Great times. Uh, I mean, is this area that different though? As I, we're talking about local, the haves and the have nots. Sure. I feel like Lake Lakers, you have, you have, you have, uh, Lakers and not you have Winona Lake and townies, that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I feel like I feel like to a certain level, this the area that we live in is insulated from national e- economy stuff to a certain point. Oh yeah, I mean this is my uh, my grandmother grew up in Elkhart in the 1930s in the in the depression and uh elkhart was a big uh musical instrument manufacturer um they had several different companies that that manufactured instruments yeah so elkhart during the 30s was very much the same as you know what we are here with the orthopedics um is that you know she said they they didn't really feel the depression there in elkhart because of the fact that they had so much manufacturing and they were still doing the same thing they'd always done. Mm-hmm. Um, here's probably the same way, like 2008. I don't think this area felt it quite as much other than the folks that were you know, traveling up to the, the RV factories and stuff yeah. like that. Um, we are definitely insulated from that a little bit. Uh, it seems like there's a big difference between the folks that are, you know, the, the folks traveling on the weekends for the lake, uh, the folks that are, you know, big wigs and then the rest of the folks um we're a weird county our our median income is significantly higher than every other surrounding county um but there's still that i'd argue there's a wider gap here than there is in a lot of other places around um just because of that uh median income just is divided between the high earners and the low earners and so ours is naturally higher because of the industry that we have here. Yeah. Yeah. Where is this going? I mean, are we at a tipping point? Are we close to a tipping point? Because I don't think people, they're... As far as capitalism? I think that... Uh, American capitalism as it stands today because the gap is the gap is growing. Um, your dollar doesn't go nearly as far as it used to, even in a place like this where we are fairly insulated. Yeah, you know, um, groceries cost what they cost, gas costs what it costs. Um, you know, you can make. There are a lot of places in the country 
you know, you could be making $80,000 a year and still be as broke as you've ever been, Mm -hmm. living paycheck to paycheck. And some of that's through your own financial decisions. Some of it's, um, you know, just the way things are right now is, is there a tipping point? And if so, what does it look like? I think there is. And I think it's coming. Um, I don't know when it will take place, but you know, the, the call for socialist ideas has become much, much greater in the last five to 10 years than it was before. I mean, socialism back when Bush was president was this, you know, was Venezuela. It was this or that, you know, nobody talked about socialism. Um, In the last five to 10 years, it's become a a catchphrase for a lot of things, whether uh, whether it was, uh, if it should be categorized as socialism or if it shouldn't, it's become a catchphrase simply because of the rise of the desire for more equality. And again, it, it's simply because of that wealth transfer. Mm-hmm. I mean, when the top 1% has more wealth than the entire rest of the country, um, that's a major problem. Uh, you look at you know middle-income families, lower middle-income families now are technically under the poverty line. Um, it wasn't that way 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Um, and so, as the wealth transfer continues, because there's nothing being done about it, um, I think that at some point there will be that breaking point um, as to what happens when that takes place, revolution, whatever the case may be, don't know. But uh, it, it reaches that point at which people are just, they don't have any other options. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like that, the first Kim. It's like, oh, well, we gotta make money. So I'm going to forge these documents. Um, at the same time, going past that breaking point is the rest of the Kim family. And then it becomes a ridiculous mess. Um, you look at countries that went you know, super hard into socialism and it becomes the same thing just with a different name on it. Right. Um, so uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm often referred to as the most liberal of the Freedom Cats. And, uh, you know, when it comes to the wealth transfer that's, that's occurred, um, the people that are arguing against it that, oh, no, that's not the case are very much living under, you know, they, they got the wool over their eyes uh, because that absolutely is happening. And it happens every day to a larger and larger extent. Um, when those people that, are sleeping, you know, under the rug and not looking around, start realizing to me, that's the breaking point. When these people that are are calling people socialists and then they get to a point where, you know, they're in that, you know, impoverished group of middle America, that's when things change. Hmm. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I often, I mean, I think something's coming. I agree with you. Something's coming, whether it be on the eco- economic front or the cultural differences that continue to split us, and the folks that um, the folks that have managed to monetize the cultural wars between us, continuing to stoke those fires. Um, 
to a point where, yeah, you know, we, when you're local, on a local level, it should be about your neighborhood, right? Your neighborhood should stick, stick yeah, together. Yeah. You know, and then from that, you can talk about how much you want to incorporate from there, but it should be neighborhood. But there are people on the outside in the upper echelons of the economic ladder who have figured out a way to make money from breaking up the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm one of the more conservative members of the Freedom Cats, you know, and so I'm the culture folks would tell you that I shouldn't be friends with my next door neighbor with her, with their Buddhist statues in the lawn. Yeah. You know, and uh, their, their, their hippity dippity ways, as I would sometimes say. Mm -hmm. Now, thankfully, you know, we, we, my family has been able to battle against those to such a place that like my kids know that if something goes wrong at the house, you go to, you go next door. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's the way it should be. You go next door. Um, because those folks, they love my kids. They love my family. I love their family. You know, I want them to come to my house when something goes sour. Yeah. But not everybody has that anymore. You know, in a lot of neighborhoods, we've gotten into flag wars. You know, I have this guy's flag and you have that rainbow flag and I have a Trump flag and, you know, we're, we're at each other. We're supposed to be at each other's necks. Right. Doesn't have to be that right. way. Doesn't well, and that I think way. that, uh, I know a couple of shows ago, you talked about that Oliver Anthony. Yeah. Um, you know, all, all the, uh, the social stuff aside, uh, he hit on that, you know, wealth transfer mm -hmm. and he hit a chord with that song yeah. and the other songs that he's, he's written. And, um, you know, it, it's becoming more per pervasive that people are understanding what is happening. Now, the, the sad thing here. Um, we'll, we'll talk on, you know, local and national level. The sad thing here is that all of us as Americans have a power to change that. We all have that power, but none of us choose to use it. So it's, it's one of those things. Let's go back to the fist fight. Like before the fist fight happens, you have the power to change the situation that leads to the fist fight. But as humans, oftentimes we don't. We allowed it to get to the fist fight. So, you know, violent insurrection becomes the option because we don't choose to take steps before that. We have the power to change what's going on. We have not chosen to do that. So the next logical step is the only option that animals look at, and that is violence. Man, Stefan's spouting peaceful wisdom got me feeling bad about popping people in the mouth. <laughs> you were seven, man. That's, like, some that's some stuff. It's tough to do, man. <laughs> no, you're right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, I don't even know. We, didn't, we don't need to take this one to a vote, right? It's in. Yeah, it's definitely in. Yeah, it's definitely in. You got it. You have to see it. You have to see uh, this movie. You ha absolutely have to see this movie. I was so intrigued with the, uh, the landscape rock. Oh, the, and the how, Scholars Rock or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah that the uh, university friend brought over yeah. for him, and uh, that's a tool often used in cinema to to signify things. I believe it's called a MacGuffin. You know, a MacGuffin. Okay. I don't know why I think of a bird when I hear that. It does sound bird-like, but you know, it's it's the it's the lost arc of this movie. It's the 
Like it's yeah. the it's the thing that yeah. drives yeah, yeah. the story. Right. So it comes into their home. All of a sudden, they start getting the jobs. And they they finagle their way into the rest of the family, and then his when, head's bashed in with it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Which uh, was I was totally expecting for that to like go away in the flood that that happened. Yeah. Like it just disappeared, and then they all just lost their job again. Right. But uh, it was it was much more interesting the way that it was used yeah. in the end. No, and then the like the flood it paints an interesting difference between the haves and the have nots. For the haves, it was a refreshing rain that wiped things away. And yeah. For the have nots yeah. who live at the bottom of the hill, it flooded their home and they've lost everything. Well, and then you you look at you know the when the family was at the uh, the park's house. Yeah. When they were going camping. Uh-huh. The, this is another thing as far as contentment is concerned is that once have well we see it with lottery winners all the time lottery winners often end up more broke than they were before they won the lottery yeah for sure because they were have nots they didn't have all this stuff yeah uh the the kim family at the parks house didn't have all this stuff so they went crazy with it yeah and it you know for real life that also exacerbates the problem you know you talk about you know, taking the $6,000 check up to Michigan to gamble because, you know, you've got that cash in your pocket. Right. Um, living pay to, paycheck to paycheck is, is a tough thing. It's also sometimes brought on by oneself, uh, mm-hmm. by choices that are made. 100%. So, uh, yeah, Sea Parasite, it's a great movie. Um, you can look at it as strictly entertainment because it is an entertaining movie. Yeah. At the same time, um, one of the things about great cinema is that you can also learn things about yourself and the world. And uh, I think Parasite can do both. Absolutely. If you're open to it. Yeah. Um, I've seen it. This, this was my second viewing. Um, and I picked up a lot more this time around than I did before. So I, I'm looking forward to diving into it again. Um, hey, great conversation, Stefan. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. Um, on behalf of all the Freedom Cats, we'll be back at full force next. Special guests next week. Ah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, so I'm going to tease that a little bit. Very special guest next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, on behalf of everyone at the Freedom Cats, he's Stefan. I'm Chris. We are the Freedom Cats. Meow. Tippy River Adventures. Listen, you know what I hear all the time? I'm just going to be real. There's nothing to do in this county. Jody and his boys, they heard you say it too, and that's why they brought Tippy River Adventures to our community. Tippy River is one of the top 10 most vital rivers in the nation. Top 10 most vital rivers. When was the last time you went down it? When was the last time you saw the, that, that vitality just in your face? I took my little boy Sullivan on the trip. We still, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a core memory for both of us. A canon event, if you will. As you travel the multiverse, every Sully and Chris went on a Tippy River adventure, and you should too. Tippy River Adventures was created to take the work out of experiencing because, like, you know, it was it's it's tough work going down that river. You know, at our level, it was tough work. So, but they made it easier for us, right? They cut the brush. They gave us they gave us paths to take our canoes down. That's the work that they do. You have equipment, but don't want to take two cars, bring your equipment out. They'll make it easy. Trips as short as two and a half hours. They have taken effort and worry out of coming up and enjoying the great river. 
Have a church group, sports team, or family reunion looking for a fun and uplifting experience that you can have together? Come out and share an adventure together and they'll do the heavy lifting. If you're looking for something to do for yourself or with friends and family, that's fun and easy. An activity that gets you on the water, doesn't require gas or buying high-priced boats or mountain bikes. Give us a try. Listen, I mean, think about that. It's tough living out there, man. Everything's more expensive. JC and JC Innovations, as they partner with Tippy River Adventures, they've got your pocketbook as well as your heart and mind in mind. You can check out the fun experience or adventures. Have some fun on the river. Check them out on Facebook. They got a Facebook page, of course. You can book your adventure through the Book Now button on their website. That's Tippy, T-I-P-P-Y, riveradventures.com. Or you can schedule through their Facebook page. They're looking forward to seeing you on the water.